In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was described as a vine planted by God Almighty. The nation over time proved unfaithful and unfruitful, and in Jesus now in due time presents himself as the true vine, and God the Father as the vine dresser, or effectively the farmer. True vine. So today, when we're considering this, been considering, especially when preparing, who is I am? And there's got a couple of those little notes for you in the, um, the bulletin today as well. You see, Jesus made seven profound I am statements in the Bible. No prizes for guessing if you get them all, but they'll be very familiar. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. And I am the true vine. You see, Jesus identified himself as the great I am. That's very important because there's a batch of people who thought, well, isn't this really just Joseph and Mary's son that we know? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? What's special about him, as we've been considering even last week? Why was something so important? Well, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 to 14, when Moses said to God, interestingly, he said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Interesting concept, isn't it? Somebody says something and you go, who said that? What do they know about what they're talking about? Does what they say carry any authority? Does it carry any common sense? Does it carry whatever it might be? And you think about that and you go, why should I listen to what the person said? Do they know what they're talking about? When Jesus could say, I am, for him to start this part in this chapter we're looking at today, I am the true vine. I don't think that's lost on the people listening, that when somebody's using the expression I am, especially in Jewish culture, that they don't understand that that's somebody making some claim about who they are. You see, through the Old Testament, others added to his name, I am. Because remember, translated Yahweh or Jehovah, the voice of God was deemed so holy that it couldn't even be spoken in certain ways by people. So there was various names that clarified his character based on the provision that he made and his miracles. Again, some of these will be familiar to you. Scripture declares God's names as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord heals. 
Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. And there are some more as well, but that's a, a batch of those which talked about God's character and how the, the deeds that he did. You know, important when God made a promise to Abraham back in, it's mentioned in Hebrews 6, but back in the book of Genesis when God made a promise to Abraham, it says because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So, you know, when somebody takes an oath, they might be having their hand on a Bible or something to proclaim something or to say, well, I'm going to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And there's something that you're trying to do that or that somebody's saying, I'm bringing this message um, in the name of this particular important dignitary. Well, when God made a promise, he swore by himself because there was no one greater he could swear by. And surely that meant that the promise could be trusted very much. You see, when Jesus is talking about I am the true vine, Colossians chapter 1, and I'll just read a couple of verses of that, Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 19 says, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So when Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser, every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You see, it's all based upon the the absolute fact as well as the premise that Jesus is speaking and is acknowledging that he is God. There's lots of people around who have perspective, I guess, or things as to what they think, you know, a Christian is. They acted in a very Christian way, or they didn't act like we think a Christian should. That's a good one that comes out a lot. Or a Christian is this, or a Christian is just a good person who does a lot of good things and their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. You know, it's important to come back to what the Bible talks about. Because if Jesus is God, which we believe he is, and he's talking here about following him and abiding in him and obeying him, then surely a Christian has got to be basing their life upon who Jesus is and what he does and what he said. Think about this. A Christian, according to the Bible, is one who has come in repentance and faith to God and has come to know Jesus as their own personal saviour. This involves payment for the person's sin having been made. Immediately this has occurred, the Holy Spirit of God comes and takes up residence in the person and the life of Christ is given to the person with which to live the Christian life. 
See, God places us in Christ and we stand by God's grace before God. But we stand in Christ's righteousness, not our own. Just imagine, and it's true, the all-seeing, all-knowing God legally declares, declares me guilty of sin against God. Because that's what sin's against, God. Jesus, being God, then pays the penalty for me. And then God chooses not to remember it anymore. And what's more, even more than that, chooses to then bless me eternally. So, having been declared guilty of sin, which is absolute fact, then God pays the payment for our sin and we stand in God's righteousness. See, when Jesus said, I am, he was making it clear he wasn't just another person, but speaking with authority. Some of us have got fruit trees, and at the moment we're enjoying some nice things from our fruit trees. But what's a fruit tree supposed to do? F-R-U-I-T, fruit. No fruit, no use. So, if you've got a fruit tree that doesn't give fruit, it better look nice or have some other purpose, because otherwise it's just useless. It's not fulfilling its function. It's not bearing fruit. If you have a tree that gives a little bit of fruit or a lot of fruit, me being me, I know which one's my favourite because the one that's going to give me more fruit is obviously doing its job better and I'm going to be happier with that. One truly fulfils its function. So, you know, God has things that from time to time, and this is easier to talk about for some of this stuff this morning about pruning and being fruitful you see pruning involves somebody getting something sharp and chopping bits of something off that's not fun for us when you work that out in Christian practical living is it when God knows we've got too many sharp edges and corners on us and needs to chop a few off or sand a few off or whatever it might be There's nothing enjoyable about that happening in us. might be better, and it will be better for the people around us when God does that and takes a few of the sharp edges off and a few of the pointy bits. But, you know, there's nothing easy about that. And we all understand as we grow in Christ, but it's necessary so that we can do that. You know, sometimes we think that the sooner I learn this lesson and get through it, the sooner I can leave that behind, whatever that problem was or whatever that difficulty was. And if we understand a little bit about who God is, we don't go, oh, God's sitting in heaven and saying, let's see how much this person can take today. Let's just mess with them. No, that's not God, is it? God doesn't do that. God doesn't think like that. The previous chapter, God spoke in John chapter 14 about his love and how he was going to prepare a place for those who love him and how he would, all the different things talking about his love for us and what is an expected response from us in regard to that. You see, Jesus is talking about wanting us to become disciples in word and in deed. 
Sometimes we know later what the purpose of some things that we go through are. Some things we don't ever know the purpose of what we went through. But remember that God will get us through. That's the important part. God will get us through. If for no other purpose, sometimes looking back you say, well, it made me hold on to God more tightly. Maybe that was all that was needed out of the lesson. You see, the branches, the fruit, the roots and the stem are all part of the same plant. We're told we can't do anything and operate independently to God. In verse 5 it said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You know, sometimes you go to people's places and it's no criticism if you've got one of these. You have bowls of plastic fruit and shop. They look really, really lovely. But darn, they're useless if you're hungry. They're really nice and that's what they're designed to do. Look nice, they're a decorative thing and they sit there or you can have like pretend plants that sometimes look better than some of our real plants and sometimes we have pretend fruit that looks really, really good and really appealing. But if you're hungry, the pretend fruit's no good. God wants us to have real fruit in our life and not just stuff that people look at us and go, they seem like they're going okay or they seem like they've got it together. That doesn't count because before God, it's what we actually bear fruit and how we bear fruit. What it looks like is up to God, not up to us. See, we're told in verses 2 to 6 the value of the unfruitful branches. You go, well, when we're talking about fruit a lot in what we're doing here today, you go, well, what's fruit, Mel? Well, Galatians 5, 23 tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. So let's be fruitful. If we might get very reluctant to want to ask God to give me the fruit of long-suffering because we probably have an idea what might come in order to make us be long-suffering. It's like my mother told me many years ago when we in, we talk about how tribulation works patience and, and patience works hope and when we have a little child in the car who'd be screaming the house down, she said, and the hope is that you get there really soon. But the tribulation works patience. It's, it's, it's great being patient, but it's not great getting to learn to be patient or to have the tribulation to get to be patient. You see, in our reading, the word abide occurs many times. Many, many times. There is abide in him, which is in starting in from verse 4. And it goes through many, many times it says that. Abide in him, he abides in you. Abide in the vine. Abiding, bringing fruit. His words abiding in us and abiding in his love. Jesus abiding in God's love. So what is abiding and how do we do it? It's obviously important. And it speaks, when we think of abide, you go, well, that speaks of a permanent place of residence. 
when somebody's going to abide somewhere, um, it's very much the case of that. The Believer's Bible Commentary says to abide means to stay where you are. The Christian has been placed in Christ, that is his position. In daily walk, he should stay in intimate fellowship with the Lord. A branch abides in a vine by drawing all its life and nourishment from the vine. As we maintain constant contact with him, we are conscious of his abiding in us and supplying us with spiritual strength and resources. The branch can only bear fruit if it abides in the vine. The only way believers can bear the fruit of a Christ-like character is by living in touch with Christ moment by moment. You see, Christ himself is the vine and we are the branches. It's not a question of the branch living its life for the vine, but simply letting the life of the vine flow out through the branches. Sometimes we pray, Lord, help me to live my life for you. Nothing wrong with that, but it might be better to pray, Lord, live out your life through me. Because then it just has that little bit of different focus about me versus him. It would be better to pray, that may be. Without Christ, we can do nothing. So the vine branches that are chopped off, it spoke about how that they would be thrown into the fire. You see, when I was reading some more information about this, it talks about that the vines from the vine itself and the plant, it says it doesn't even make good firewood, it's useless for making furniture or for building homes, it's great for fruit bearing, but it's not much good for much else. Think about the nature and character of God. Who God is and what God is like. Now, we come to understand and to think that God only wants what's best for us. On our good days, we really quite get that, don't we? That God only wants what's best for us. On days that aren't our best days, we don't tend to take hold of that quite as much. We have to hold on to it a bit more tightly and have to really, really tell ourselves that that's the case, as opposed to just as much knowing and remembering that on the the better days. See, every day, each child of God needs to walk with God. It's a lifelong lesson, and I'm still learning it. Every day I get hungry and every day I eat. That's not a problem for me. Trust me. But knowing that every day I need to eat God's food to walk in God's strength, that's a lesson I still have to learn every day. Because... Every now and then you think you can do bits of it yourself and you just need to have that continued refocusing. You see, what we do when we walk with God, we don't do that because we have to. We do it because we know we should and we do it because we know it's good for us. But some points we get to the stage of doing it because we really want to spend time with God. That's the best part. Because he wants to spend time with us. So if we just do it because we have to, that's not that nice. 
It also doesn't tell us that we have a great relationship going on at that time with God if we do it just because we have to. You know, when you ask those of us who've got kids, if you ask your kid to do something, do I have to? You know, some of us have probably never heard that from our kids before, but I'm sure we all have. But, you know, when we're talking about this with God, it's we should want to. That's the difference. We should want to. And sometimes you might have to make yourself do it a little bit more until you want to a little bit more. And that's the discipline that we have of just knowing that we continually have to put to death in our own bodies our fleshly nature. Part of that is what we do, and it's also what's best for us, and it's also the key to living our life in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. You see, we're told in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armour of God so we can stand. So what does that mean? If we don't put on the armour of God, does that mean we can stand? Essentially, no. Not going to stand effectively. So a few keys for us in what we've been considering today. You know... Get to know God more and don't just get to know more about God. I'll say that again because there's a difference between the two. Get to know God more. Don't just know more about God. You can go, well, the two are very strongly connected, Mal, and there's not a lot of difference between them. Knowing about God doesn't necessarily help you. Knowing God definitely does help you. If we spend time with an open heart and an open mind before God, we ask him to teach us. If we don't do some sort of daily cleansing, as we've been thinking about before and singing about earlier about with regard to some sin as well, you know, there's a need for us to daily cleanse before God. In an earthly sense, those around about us are pleased when sometimes we have a a bath or a shower because it's a good thing for us and sometimes others would even tell us it's a good thing we should do. I think we understand. For daily cleansing, when we're talking about God, this isn't for salvation. This doesn't stop us being a Christian or not. But it's how we maintain a close fellowship with God and we ensure, by ensuring that there's no unconfessed sin in our lives, that we don't have barriers and blockages between us and God. That makes it harder to be able to spend time with God. It probably makes it harder to sometimes want to spend time with God. And we find easier reasons as to why we might find other things to do sometimes. You see, things that get in the way of our relationship with God are not good things, even though there may be nothing wrong with them. It's about priority. See, we don't grow when we don't do daily cleansing with God because I liken it to this. If you're a plant... How is the nourishment from the rest of the plant going to you if there's blockages where it is? 
and the, the nourishment can't make it into where you are to help you grow and bear fruit and develop, how can that work if you have blockages and barriers in your heart and life with God? We want to be growing. It says, abide in him and let him abide in you. We put on the whole armour of God. We walk in obedience to God. So it's not in saying these things, it's not trying to say these are things we need to do or things that we have to do, but things that might help us be able to live fruitfully for God. As we know ourselves and as we know God, there's things that we understand seem to work better sometimes for us than some others. Practically what that means is, I know sometimes there's nothing wrong with me doing something particularly, but there might be something better if I don't do it. There might be nothing wrong with it. And that's a hard thing to gauge sometimes is, there might be nothing wrong with it, but is there something better? So when we consider the things that help us to be fruitful and faithful in our life with Christ, cleansing, abiding and obeying are shown to be conditions for a fruitful life. It's also the way that our joy is full as we walk with the Lord. And as we read in those verses, if you, com- if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. There's a part of a song that, as a Christian group, the Casting Crowns, has a great song, and some of you will know this. And in it they say, Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. Say that again as we close. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider some keys to being fruitful in your presence, We understand a little of our own nature and a little of your nature. We want to grow in you each day and be fruitful in our lives for you. We know this is done by abiding in you so that we can in fact bear fruit. Lord, we need your help because your word tells us without you we can do nothing. So, Lord, we ask that you would help by your spirit for us to keep short accounts with you. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to enable you to be able to live out your life through us. Lord, we know we need your help today and every day. And we know we have it because you sent your helper, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us and live in us, and strengthen us, and to be very God with us every day. 
So, Lord, we pray now that as we would uh, part from here shortly, we thank you for your word and the truth of your word. We pray your help and your guidance and your blessing that we could put into practice the things we learn and the things we know. And to know you more each day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.